0: to episode two of tendo talk where we bring you the latest depending on schedule and greatest according to us in tech entertainment nintendo disney and other things that we like it's a me mike
1: tendo mike colesworthy and it's a him john hi john hey mike i'm glad we're doing this again uh i'm john uh i'm a rhythm game fanatic father of two designer
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. My name is Mike. I'm a graphic designer, illustrator, art streamer, and I am just so excited to be right here with you, John, on episode two of our brand new podcast.
1: I know it is so exciting. And you know what? I want to tell you, I want to tell you how amazing we've done so far. Oh my God. I want to congratulate us for a little bit. So (laughs) I'm bracing myself. I'm, I'm holding onto my chair. You can't see it. All right. So we had uh, we guessed in our very first episode, mm-hmm. you you kicked us off by saying hello, all six of you listening. Yes. We guessed six people would listen to our podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Do you care to guess how many people actually listen to our podcast? Oh,
0: man. Uh, I mean, now I'm kind of hoping it was exactly six. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I would I would very much like if it was more. Uh, <laughs>
1: Can I, do a, okay. can I do a conservative 10? Okay. You're, you're guessing 10? Yeah. All right. I can't guess because I have the number right in front of me, but <laughs> I will tell you. Oh, God. We more than doubled our initial guess. Oh, hey. <laughs> more than doubled. That's at least 12. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, 13. Oh,
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, welcome. All 13 of you. Soon to be 27 of you. Of mm-hmm. you.
1: Right. Well, that's well, that's no, a rule. We double I, plus one every time. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty far reaching. No. I'm, I'm honestly impressed. We even got past six. So that's true. Great that's work. true.
0: Well, hey, great work to you, John. I've been loving what you've been doing with the the, uh, the new Instagram account. Make sure to follow oh, us at Tendo Talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing the little clips of the show. Can't wait to see which ones you pull from this one. Maybe maybe something I've said already?
1: Maybe. Or maybe this episode will be terrible and I won't be able to pull anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I certainly hope we don't screw the pooch on episode two. Oh, boy, oh, boy. All right, well, hey... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now that you now that you've gotten to know us, and we uh, we know just how many millions of you out there are listening, uh, let's let's dive right in. So last time we talked about uh, a few things. We had a longer list than we were able to get to, so we're going to jump into mm-hmm. some of the stuff that we wanted to talk about last time, as well as some uh, new topics. Um, and uh, speaking of new, well, relatively new, uh, they added that Sephiroth guy to Smash Bros.
1: That Sephiroth guy, yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Seeing how uh, how a game like Final Fantasy VII has mm-hmm. remained in pop culture since it came out so many years ago, it's it's just it's so interesting how they keep breathing life into that franchise. I mean, they did just make this crazy, you know, part one of however many parts remake of Final Fantasy VII, which is which is pretty cool, right. I, Actually, I, I got a chance to play that, but but it is really interesting seeing Sephiroth, this this character that. God, I think I was in middle school when this when this character came out or or even less than that i don't I don't even know, but seeing this character <laughs> in a brand new in a brand new game it's it's pretty wild to me
0: yeah i i mean full disclosure, I am not a final fantasy boy
1: uh, okay.
0: but that said, just through pop culture osmosis, I am fully aware of this character uh right. And his, and his bad, bad behavior. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a real, John, I gotta tell you, this guy, he's not, he's not a, he's not a friend. No, he's no, not. No, no. Uh, Mm-mm. but yes, I, I, I'm aware of the weight of this character as a, uh, a iconic video game villain. They seem to be adding a lot of iconic villains to smash brothers, uh, in this late mm-hmm. century. Um, and you know what, even though I am not a not a Sephiroth boy, uh, I think I think he's a great character, first of all, and we can dive into that. But I do absolutely mm-hmm. think that he deserves a spot.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think it uh, it was surprising when they revealed Sephiroth because I didn't think they'd add more Final Fantasy seven characters. Um, but at the same time, like when they first revealed him I was like oh my god it's Sephiroth but I was like okay what what can he actually what new things can he bring to the table mm-hmm. uh, because it is yet another sword fighter in yeah. the game. and we have I've lost count of how many of those we have with all the Fire Emblem characters that have that have come in yeah so yeah. I was a little worried when when they showed it of, of like of course the the magnitude of the character was there but you know what Actually, could he do differently than all these other sword fighters? And I was very, very pleasantly surprised with what they ended up showing us. As was I. As was I. Yeah. I mean,
0: that the reveal trailer was pretty epic, even for somebody mm-hmm. who is not a Final Fantasy fan. I think that, you know, the, these pre-rendered cinematics are uh, they always like, you know, kind of get me sitting up in my chair like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah, look at him go. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> they, I mean, the production value on those, they've just remained consistently high. Like you'd think after, you know, the initial game launch and all that, all that, you know, money being poured into the, to the actual game, you would think the production value would have dropped off on these character reveals after, but it, they just, they keep it going.
0: No, I, I think that they are well aware of what a, what a sales, uh, phenomenon smash brothers in general is, but this one specifically, mm-hmm. Uh, with the power of the switch behind it, uh, but uh, hey, you know I got a hot take for you, John. Hot take okay. alert. Um, right. Do we need a sound effect for that? Yeah, we probably should get some kind of <laughs> some kind of <laughs> alarm sound. Uh, okay. Okay. So I'm watching this trailer, and uh, it kind of it ends up bringing to light an issue that I sort of have with Smath, Smash Brothers, <laughs> Smash Smash Brothers in general. <laughs> Smash Smath Brothers is the edutainment game spinoff. <laughs> yeah. um, so everybody's getting beaten up by Galeem, who is the mm-hmm. sort of abstract final bad guy. Uh, spoiler alert uh, of the Smash Brothers campaign mode. Uh, mm-hmm. That dude gets sliced right in half by this, by this yeah, Sephiroth boy. And uh, it got me thinking, you know, and, and this is, like I said, a thought I've had before. There are so many good villains in this game who have a lot of clout. Is it really necessary every time we have a Smash Bro to to create these sort of abstract new characters to be bad guys?
1: You know, that's a great point. Like that is a great point.
0: Whether it was the weird like tribal tramp stamp guy from the other one. Uh,
1: what was it taboo no 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 i think tribal tramp stamp guy i think that was the official
0: (laughs) i'm just imagining that in the announcer's voice tribal tramp stamp guy uh yeah sakurai has a very a very distinct uh game design philosophy and Mm -hmm. it it almost always turns into this weird sort of You know, you see it in the in the the boss fight with uh, the dude from Kirby. Yeah, everything is this sort of weird, kind of unsettling. I don't know, hard to hard to pin down sort of vibe. And that always kind of sneaks into these games. But I kind of wish that they had really sort of held all these villains to their original uh what's the word i'm looking for like their value as villains and just made them mm-hmm. the bad guys of these campaign modes you kind of had that with the uh subspace emissary which i think gameplay wise was a little bit weak but in terms of cutscenes like you know making me stand up and cheer like that was that was fantastic.
1: The the cutscenes are what kept me going in the in the subspace emissary. Yeah.
0: But just like, yeah, seeing the the way that these characters were interacting <laughs> many times for the first time, uh I don't know. This is this is getting into a whole nother topic that we could probably spend an entire show talking about. But I got some right. you know, I got some feelings about the way that Sakurai handles that. Uh that said, Smash Bros, good game. Sephiroth, good character. I'll very briefly talk about my time playing as him. I discovered he's kind of a workhorse. He's he's light, yeah. despite, despite mm-hmm. his big size, uh, mm-hmm. and very agile. But uh, I, I guess the trade-off is that he's got these huge sweeping sword motions with his with his ridiculous sword. Uh, but almost all of them leave him open for attack. So yeah. there's, there's kind of a trade-off there.
1: Right, and, and, I, and I thought what was really interesting too uh, was <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of the types of moves that he has are uh, theoretically similar to a lot of the other characters, but there's something, there, like there's a catch with all of them. So the sword, for example, like it's, yes, he's another sword fighter, but the sword is so long uh, that, you know, it actually loses some of the power at the very tip of the sword so the mm-hmm. most powerful part uh when they I, I thought it was actually a really good visualization in the in the um in the sakurai video that he made where it shows him like <laughs> three kirbys sitting next to each other and the sword hitting all three of them right the Kerbometer. Like, the yeah. amount of damage yeah <laughs> but i thought that was a great uh way to show just where on that sword Uh, Mm -hmm. it it is the most powerful so even though it's a super long sword you don't really want to hit somebody when they're that far away because it's not going to inflict as much damage so i thought that was really interesting and the other part too um was uh i mean there were there were a lot of other uh cool parts about him but uh the projectiles was was super super interesting to me it really makes you think about um so for those that haven't seen or haven't played them, they're basically these projectiles that you can throw at somebody and it attaches to them mm-hmm. and it kind of starts spinning around them uh, for a certain amount of time until it attacks them. Uh, you don't have to be anywhere near them. Uh, it just, you know, attaches and takes some time before it attacks. Yeah, And I feel like that alone opens up so many new strategies for uh, for for keeping somebody off the stage or for keeping somebody away from you or for like continuing these combos. And you really have to start thinking about timing your moves, you know, five seconds in advance uh, so that you can pull off something like that. Yeah,
0: and in addition to adding an interesting gameplay mechanic, I feel like, you know, despite what I just criticized Sakurai for, uh, he has a really good handle on how to intelligently incorporate things from these characters' games in their move set. So you have this idea of a of a uh, delayed effect that you could apply to somebody in a in a traditional RPG, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of giving you that despite being a you know a, a live uh, battle scenario, right? Yeah, and his other projectiles with the different levels of explosion and stuff. I'm finding myself oh yeah using those a lot, and those make you think about sort of how you're managing the space between you and your opponent. Uh, mm-hmm and man if you get that right it feels real good
1: yeah 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 it's just it's just the combination of all these familiar but something new about them mechanics just you end up playing this character very very differently than uh than a lot of the other characters in the game and i absolutely thought, again like that that just kind of goes back to uh uh me being initially you know meh about another sword fighter but then you know as you learn how to play it as you learn more about his move set; it, it just becomes uh, very different from from a typical sword fighter. At the end of the day,
0: yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, credit uh, to the animators, as usual, in Smash Bros. for figuring out how to make a character with a six foot long sword
1: uh, <laughs> just make make him hold it in a way that doesn't look totally ridiculous. I, that I was I was totally keeping an eye on that too as I was watching it and I was as I was playing with him. Like it, it's impressive. How infrequently that sword clips through things. Yeah. Yeah, they really manage it well. <laughs> like, I don't know what kind of magic they're doing. They're like, they must be like skipping some frames or something as it goes through, but they they did a pretty good job with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would bet if you if you really took the time to break it down, you would see some of those tricks at work. But yeah, kudos yeah. all around. But hey, John, uh speaking of uh handsome
1: anime swordsmen. Okay. Oh, what's this how how is this segue gonna work out? <laughs>
0: Animal Crossing.
1: Oh, okay.
0: See that was that was like a that was like a that was like a not good segue.
1: Yep, that, you're 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 absolutely right. I,
0: I did like a bad
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I, th- we'll we'll make this one brief because I feel like we dove into Sephiroth way deeper than we expected to there, but. It's snowing in Animal Crossing now, which is very pleasant, mm-hmm. especially if you play in the evening with the
1: moonlight bouncing off the snow. It's very pretty. Um, I w- that is such a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up, because when Amanda and I were playing uh, last night or the night before, it was it was recently, um, we wanted to turn the game back on. Uh, also, full disclosure, we haven't played for a little while. Oh. We poured like over 100 hours into the game, and then we had a kid, and we were like, Oh, my God, we don't have time for this anymore. Um, mm-hmm. so, so we have an excuse. I guess we'll give, uh, you, that. We'll but, give you that. Yeah, but, but when we did turn it on uh, the other day and and we wanted to see, uh, you know, our village in the snow and what it looked like and have all our villagers yell at us for uh, for abandoning them. Right. It was really nice uh, to ignore those villagers and, and stop and look <laughs> at the uh, how... They managed to get that like twinkling effect on yeah. the snow as you're walking around, especially at night, as you were saying too. Like you see that moon shine on the top of the snow, so you can see that it's just a little bit icy, like the snow's been there and it iced over a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. like they did this is by far the best looking Animal Crossing snow. Yeah. That's that the I've good seen.
0: stuff. That's the good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, there's uh, you know, we're making snowmen, we're getting they keep introducing these new forms of currency. The latest one is large snowflakes, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which can magically be stored without melting. So that's nice.
1: None of the that's, snowflakes. How, are, how do they do that? I mean, yeah. that's that's magic right there. But yeah, so so all the snow people that we create end up melting, but you know mm-hmm. this magical snowflake doesn't. Yeah,
0: it really makes you think okay. about you know how being a cognizant living being. Maybe that maybe that's what makes us all slowly die.
1: Wow. Oh, that's that's deep. Okay. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So there's the Christmas celebration stuff coming up. So uh, yeah, that's all very exciting. It's for me. It's definitely. I mean, now now I feel like this is this is the final season that none of us had seen in the game, right? Because that's the game true. launched yeah, about because, a year ago.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, yeah. The very next would be spring. I guess we. Uh, we haven't seen the end of winter yet. So, so it's actually pretty cool about this game too, is that each season isn't just like you have snow now, right? right? You have cherry blossoms now. Like each season is its own progression within yeah. itself.
0: It gradually and, sort of rolls out.
1: Yeah. And the beginning of winter was, you know, a little boring.
0: Yeah. The colors get um, kind of dreary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that's going to happen at the end of winter as well. Like I haven't, I haven't time traveled, so I'm sure other people know what it's going to look like, Oh yeah, Uh, but that's it. I mean, honestly, it's a good thing though. Like I feel like even something as good as the animal crossing snow, uh, having that last for the entirety of winter, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even that would get old after a while and seeing some change in the town would, would be a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helps everything uh feel fresher, more alive, something new to see every day. Uh that's that's been one of my biggest reasons for keeping up with it this long. And mm-hmm. uh speaking of me keeping up with it this long, I've come about as close Here's as you can. Yeah. <laughs> this one actually kinda works. <laughs> I Okay. You know, I don't mean to brag, John. Okay. Um you do though. But Chaboy's got some gold tools now. Uh <laughs> which uh you can only get uh well, some of them. The the golden net you get from catching every bug and the golden rod you get from catching every fish, which in my mind.
1: Yeah. What about what? What's what's up with that? Like, why do they give you the gold tools when you no longer need them?
0: That was the that was the thing that immediately occurred to me as soon as I unlocked them. I was like, oh, yeah, finally, I. Oh, oh, no. Right. <laughs> it like it teaches you a harsh lesson about the use of your time (laughs) i guess exactly (laughs) uh yeah yeah, i will say i don't have the golden axe yet but i just gotta cut down some more you gotta cut down a bunch of trees that's it well you you have to specifically break your axe a certain amount of times
1: and uh okay uh, i actually i i might i might be close to that because the amount of times I have tried to transform an island into an <laughs> island. <laughs> oh, yeah, is, uh, is quite a bit. I have yeah. chopped down many trees.
0: Yeah, well, not to mention all the time you spent terraforming your your land into a, a picturesque, uh, not super snowman friendly place.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Actually, speaking of uh, the just how crazy towns can get, I I follow a few of those Animal Crossing. Instagram accounts of just Mm -hmm. like people posting these absolutely ridiculous, uh, but very, very nicely, very nicely done towns that they create. Right. And, um, it's nice having these dream codes so, so they can post them and you can actually go to these towns. And, you know, for a while I was really excited to do that. And then when I finally, you know, took the time to sit down and put in some of these dream codes and visit some of these crazy towns, I was really put off, honestly, uh by by some of these towns that i went to really and there are two there are two main reasons for that one is i'm not sure if it's because you're in this dream mode and they add these extra effects but when you go to these crazy detailed towns the frame rate of the game drops significantly really it gets it it drops to like below Uh, gentle jab at link's awakening on the switch below oh. link's awakening frame rates <laughs> burn i know what you're saying yeah. though that's bad <laughs> yeah it just kind of it you 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 lose some of the magic when you go to this town and and the second thing that kind of drives me crazy is uh in you know when you take a still image a still screenshot of these towns it looks wonderful but then when you try to walk through these towns and actually try to get uh. somewhere it's, it's like, I'm just, I'm pulling my hair out trying to figure out how to get through all these bushes and these like stepping stones that they make and how to (laughs) just get, you know, go up these cliffs that they only have a couple bridges for. It's, it was, it was not what I expected. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious if you've ever, you know, run into that either with your town or other towns that you've, that you visited too. Uh,
0: well, I will say, I, you know, I also follow some of the accounts that you're talking about and a big thing lately Uh, has been making bridges out of land that go north to Mm. south south Mm -hmm. to north uh and the only way you can do that is with with land itself like you know it you create a situation where you have a bridge that looks nice from one angle and you cannot pass under it from from below so it it is a functional nightmare uh but it looks pretty so like really boils down to what kind of Animal Crossing player you are. And for me, I knew right away that some incredible things were possible with this new terraforming thing. But first mm-hmm. and foremost, I knew this was a game I was going to be playing a lot. And my need to optimize based on that fact outweighed my need to make something breathtaking.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, so, I, so I totally I, agree.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of a lot of straight roads um, all in the name of me, like getting my fossils every day, running to the museum and running back to the store. Like that's sort of the yeah. That's the thing that I kept in mind throughout. I mean, if you want to think about it more whimsically, I was talking to our buddy Nate Kelly about this. Uh, I, I've always been a huge fan of the thoughtful symmetry of Disney World. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where everything branches out from a hub. Mm -hmm. So you always have a point of reference of sort of where you are and how to get back to where you were. Uh, That was sort of my plan for my plaza because the plaza is this sort of immovable, large thing, you know? And so I, I chose, I chose an Island that had that sort of centrally located and I built paths literally straight out North, South, East and West from that. Um, and you know, I decided museum over here, town over here, and that I, that kind of helped me optimize. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, now that I've now that I've quote unquote beaten Animal Crossing and I've seen every season <laughs> and I know
1: what is offered, you've paid off all your loans. You've yeah, built your house the biggest that you can.
0: I've got all the furniture I could ever want. Uh, mm-hmm. I gotta say, even I, some
1: that you don't, most yeah, that you don't probably, most that I don't. <laughs> I've
0: got a lot in storage uh but yeah i i am not playing every day anymore uh Mm -hmm. and i'm not i i don't feel like i'm missing much that said i i do know that nintendo is committed to uh supporting this game for a long long time and they did promise us that mario items were coming uh in celebration of mario's 35th anniversary which is another segue
1: Mm -hmm. wow that one worked out huh That one worked out really well. Yeah. It's like, did you, it's like you planned that. I didn't though. Uh, Okay. I didn't. I promise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But Mario's 35th anniversary was this year, John. It sure was. And boy, did they release a lot of Mario things this year. Like for as much of a Mario fanatic that I am and that I know you are, Mm -hmm. it was even hard for me to keep up. It was a lot.
0: Uh, we mm-hmm. talked last time about, uh, Mario Kart live home circuit, go back and listen to it if you haven't already, but, um, mm-hmm. that was just one piece of, of this sort of deluge of, of Mario content this year. I just wanted to take a moment for each of us to sort of, let's say, let's say pick two high points and two low points. How does that sound?
1: Okay. okay. Mm. That sounds great. And totally am not prepared for this, but, Okay, but let's see how this goes.
0: <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll go first if you want to scribble down some notes that's fine um okay two high points first and foremost for me uh getting
1: to play through and 100 percent mario 64 again uh that, mm, yes it, that's actually that's a sorry spoiler alert that's another high point for me except for mario galaxy
0: yeah, oh okay yeah we'll, we'll get into that later too um okay. And that actually does kind of lead into I'll, I'll go back and forth between highs and lows here. So that game obviously has a huge amount of nostalgia uh, for me personally. It was the first video game. The Nintendo 64 was the first console I actually owned myself. Uh, I had borrowed Friends Game Boys, obviously played the NES, the Super NES at friends houses at, you know, daycare and stuff like that. Um, mm mm-hmm. But this was mine. You know, this was my thing. Mario 64 was the first game I plugged into it. And it was the first game that I 100%ed uh, with the help of my dad. That's, at a, the time. that's a
1: big commitment, too. I it mean, is. 100%ing Mario 64. Yeah. That's that takes a lot of effort.
0: Yeah. I mean, it helps. It helps that my dad is sort of that. He's that type. I don't know if you call that ta- type A, type B, whatever, but like if you put him in front of a game or a puzzle or whatever, he's going to see it through yeah. Most, mostly because he comes from the era of arcade games, which I now work in. Uh, and he he's used to like, you know, beating a game to see what it does. Like what, how are they going to mm-hmm. award me? And Mario 64, I feel like did that pretty well. You beat the game. you f- you finally get the opportunity to get up on top of the roof, which you've been like trying in vain to do. Uh mm-hmm. you can finally get up there. You see Yoshi, which is exciting. You don't Yoshi, get to Yes. Yeah, you don't and get to it, ride the, him or the, anything. The but.
1: the low 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 polygon Yoshi that Oh yeah. I will never forget the first yeah. time I've, I I saw that Yoshi.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey fun fact, John. I learned this mm. uh fairly recently. The saddle on Yoshi is actually rendered incorrectly. There's a Is it really? Yeah, if if you search through the textures in the game, uh, data miners have found this. Uh, his saddle is supposed to have that white outline that the modern Yoshi has around his saddle, but you'll notice in 64, it's all one uniform color because they got the uh, the properties on the texture wrong, and so it inverted or it it just oh. it makes the whole thing red instead of having the outline.
1: Anyway, See, I knew something. I knew something was off with his saddle, but I thought it was just because like it was Nintendo 64 and it could only handle so much detail on a character. I didn't think they actually. You know, it was supposed to be that way and they got and they did it and something happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like th-
0: that game was made by like 12 people. It's ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. What a masterpiece. Loved every mm-hmm. second of it. I've loved every time I've played through it. Uh, downside. I feel like this was a perfect opportunity to. Do a an HD.
1: re a full remaster.
0: Remaster of
1: 64 mm-hmm.
0: i i wanted that so bad and i don't know if it's ever going to come
1: now <laughs> the closest uh, we got was almost like in the opposite direction on the ds on the ds <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah lower resolution but you got to play with characters with like slightly better textures but it was like what what is this what, what's the ds resolution it's like 240 by 180 or yeah, something it's something really really small
0: <laughs> yeah i you know to be honest, despite my love for sixty four, I never picked up Mario sixty four DS because I think even mm, even yeah, back then I think it's okay. Okay, good. Even back then, I knew that I wanted something more. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just I really want to see. To me, Peach's Castle is the perfect hub world. Um, and it this really get, is this gets into another larger discussion that we can have on a future episode about my broader ideas about. Why I feel like a game like Mario sixty four does a better job of bringing the Mushroom Kingdom to life than Mario Galaxy.
1: Um, I would agree. I would I would agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, um, I'm re- I'm trying I'm biting my tongue because I know we've got limited time here. We'll we'll absolutely make a, an entire show about our <laughs> our outlook on <laughs> Miyamoto's design philosophy about about mm-hmm. Mario games. Anyway, okay, another high point. I thought uh, Super Mario 35 was a very inventive, not completely new because we'd obviously, you can see the the connections between that and Tetris 99. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you take the time to sit down with this game and really get into the nuts and bolts of like why this game has so many people playing it at any given time. <laughs> Uh, granted, they're doing that weird, like available for a limited time thing. I'm not sure if it's just going (laughs) to disappear one day. Uh,
1: And did you see, uh, there was a Doug Bowser interview recently that explained why it was only a limited amount of time. And he was like, it's because it's a celebration. Right. And I was like, I don't buy that.
0: No, no. (laughs) And you know what? Low key, Doug. I'm sure you're a great dude. I appreciated the whole funny reveal of bowser thinking he was the president but it's doug bowser that's the president <laughs> i don't feel like he's done much to sort of step up to to fill the big 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 shoes that reggie left behind uh yeah he's
1: no reggie he's no Reggie. But honestly i don't i don't think they'd ever be able to find a replacement no. like a perfect replacement for reggie but yeah I, it's it's a big year for nintendo and i and i feel like doug bowser has um he's been laying a little low
0: yeah yeah, we'll see if that changes uh, in the future, but um, definitely miss the sort of big personalities that both Reggie and obviously uh, Satoru Iwata brought to all of the, the original Nintendo Directs. There's just been mm-hmm. a, a big mm-hmm. slowdown uh, in Nintendo Direct content, and the new president of of, uh, of Nintendo has said that uh, Directs obviously have some benefit but may not be completely
1: necessary moving forward, which is... A really bad idea in my mind like yeah the directs have been working out so well for them i know and like they've literally they've they've changed how the gaming industry reveals new titles and, and news yeah. like it, at first I, I remember i remember back the first year that nintendo was like yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna have a have a keynote at e3 this year and people were like mm-hmm. oh my god this is a terrible idea but <laughs> it worked and yeah. look at what sony is doing now look at what uh microsoft is doing now with xbox they're they're all going to that format i mean yeah there's they, they still keep those those e3 keynotes too but you know in in normal years they would but uh but nintendo has really uh really kind of changed how users or how how video gamers want to receive their news and i feel like when it is smaller and more frequent. Like these, like these streams that they do, mm-hmm. it keeps that excitement alive for that console in a way that these companies need to have that happen. They don't want to have lulls in, in, their, in, their, in their calendar.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think the, the newest president, I, I believe uh, President Furukawa, uh, said that uh, they're great, they, they, drum, they drum a lot of excitement, but they aren't necessarily selling people who weren't already going to get a game on that game.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Which I kind of get, but again, I I think you and I are on the same page here. You can't, you can't let go of what has made Nintendo so good at announcements, uh, just in in the past, what, 10 years.
1: Um, exactly.
0: Okay. So anyway, Mario 35, uh, -hmm. uh, I was a little turned off by it the first time I played it, but the more I played it, the more I started to understand why this game is special uh, it is highly yeah. competitive. It brings a lot of the same sort of hooks that, that Tetris 99 has, uh, and it's the it's the sort of thing that I feel like any anybody who's ever picked up a Mario controller can sort of get into this game.
1: Uh, well, they can get they can get into it, uh, but they probably won't last long. They probably like, yeah they'll get gets, out of it. It also. gets intense. It yeah. does very 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 quickly, and yeah. when you're when you're in the last 10, 15, uh, that's almost an entirely different game. And then even when you get into like the top five, that's that's even more of an entirely different game because it's just quite literally raining enemies on you. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's true. It's true. And I, I just want to take the opportunity here. What, what's your best finish, John? <sighs>
1: You know what? I actually don't know. I-, I know it was in the single digits. I can't remember the exact number. Um, but all I know is that I was proud of it and that I would likely not be able to achieve that again unless it was for luck. Because a lot of what got me even to the single digits was luck and mm-hmm. being able to avoid things at the last minute and just like dispensing items like at the very last split second before I got hit by something again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not you know what? i mm, i got i got second place john i got second you place. got second place i got second place okay
1: i got second place that's pretty good thanks thank you second how close were you to first though <laughs> was there like no contest uh i
0: was definitely up against somebody who was way more familiar with the game than i was but
1: yeah. i the, feel like there's an entirely different strategy once you get into that area like it, it's it's Again, like the, the single digits of of Mario 35. Once once you get there, you play the game very differently. It's true. And the hard part about that is you can't practice that mm-hmm. because you have to you have to progress to that in the first place to get there. It's so true. I think the people that are really good in that segment uh must be playing this game a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely true. I think uh it, you know, they say they say the best defense is a good offense. Some people say that. That's absolutely true mm-hmm. in the later later stages of this game because right you're just staying alive. It's natural. There's a natural inclination to want to play defensively when you know that these gray enemies are being sent by other people, but mm-hmm. you have to be aggressive enough to purposefully choose uh, in that little roulette at the beginning that lets you vote on levels. All of those oh, yeah. all of those levels get put into the into the rotation. And a lot of people will go with what they're most comfortable with, which is like the first one or two levels. But mm-hmm. uh, more difficult enemies like bloopers and even Bowser and stuff like that don't show up until the later ones. And those are the enemies you want to send to everybody else,
1: right? Because everybody can stomp yeah. on a Goomba, <laughs> right? It's true. Well, yeah, not everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I remember uh, dying a few times, and just the uh in the worst way possible of just like i'm paying attention to like a thousand things in the corner of the screen and then i accidentally walk into a goomba so.
0: yeah well you know a bad bounce <laughs> off of a block a or something
1: to, yeah yeah it's it's just it's a it's an overwhelming game and uh I, it, it sounds like we we feel very similarly about it it's uh it's it's crazy uh and, it, and it's fun but if you play too much of it it's it gets a little much.
0: Yeah, and it might um, it might make you an aggressive person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe kind of like Mario Kart.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's just when you and I play. Uh, yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah. I, I final low point. I mean, I know we kind of already touched on it, but I think that the limited availability of some of these goodies for Mario's thirty fifth is just kind of silly. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess if we want to say that we already touched on that one, I'll just throw in that uh, I don't I don't care for for Mario Sunshine.
1: Yeah, I was actually that Mario Sunshine when they announced uh, when they announced this game, uh, not Mario Sunshine in general, just like the the remake or the re-release or whatever uh, you want to call it. I was initially excited to replay it because I don't remember much from the game. I knew I played it. I knew I 100%ed it on GameCube,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but I didn't remember much from it. Yeah. And I was excited to go back and and replay it so that I could relive it. And th- I thought that maybe, you know, if I started playing, it'd be like, oh, this game's almost kind of new to me. Um, but when I started playing it, it made me realize the real reason I didn't remember a lot of it. And it's just because I didn't really enjoy playing it very much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, especially coming from Mario 64, where you have a very well-defined tool set at your disposal for how to traverse terrain, to suddenly Mm -hmm. have uh, some of those replaced with a dependence on having the right nozzle, or in some cases, just completely removed from the game. Like the ability to do a backflip to get onto something high is just not, not there anymore. It feels like kind of a step backwards. And then you add on top, like... The one thing I will always praise mario sunshine 4 is its setting i think that it, it does a great job of making isle delfino feel like i really like the way that you can see levels in the distance and then go to them um,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and I, I like the whole tropical theme it's very bright very colorful fun to look at but
1: the controls it's almost like they kind of they kind of wasted the setting yeah on uh on a gameplay gimmick yeah and i know there's going to be people that disagree with us too i know there are people that love mario sunshine and everything about it Mm -hmm. uh but it's just it's one of it's i think it's one of those times that nintendo tries something very new with a franchise Mm -hmm. uh that doesn't really work all the time yeah i agree and they've done that before i mean star fox is oh yeah very much known to to try things that don't work um much rarer with mario but i think mario sunshine is an example where uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's not for everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest, John. I, I, for some reason remembered you saying some, some nice things about Mario Sunshine and I thought we were going to have an argument, but I, I, I think we, yeah I think, I think those nice agree.
1: things were more of like, uh, I remember, I remember that the game existed uh-huh. I think I think the nice things were in my memory about the fact that, you know, it was a nice setting mm-hmm. uh, and it it was a giant step up visually from Mario 64, too. I thought I remember that being pretty exciting.
0: Oh, yeah. The water is uh, impressive. You can't you can't deny yeah, the water it still is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, just, uh, you know, once you start playing it, that's that's when I realized I was like, oh, this is this is why I don't remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, hey, John, uh, let's get to your your. uh two highs and two lows if you'd like or we can move on it's up to you i'm just i'm looking at our time and i'm seeing us uh get to that point where we we needed to cut (laughs) things off last time there's always so much to talk about here on Tendo talk so what do you what what do you want to do what do you want to do
1: let's get in let's let's keep talking about mario 35 okay uh, because i have i have some opinions i bought so many mario things this year that i'm not even sure i can contain it (laughs) to two highs and two lows okay all right and to be honest i'm actually not entirely sure what qualifies as a mario 35 celebration and what uh is just nintendo going overboard this year (laughs) oh well okay let's say for the purpose of discussion anything
0: mario related that came out this year
1: okay that's that's easier then okay so my first high uh, i already mentioned it before mario galaxy i won't get too far into it um controversial take but I prefer Mario galaxy to any other 3d Mario game that has been made. Uh-huh. Um, and I have a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but I think one of the reasons it really comes down and it's, I, I will start off by saying it's a very, very, very close, close call with Mario 64. Like, and this is in no way bashing any other 3d Mario games, except for, except for sunshine. Cause, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think the th- what happened with Mario Galaxy, what I really liked about it was that um, it felt like it, it, they, they managed to do this thing where they tried something new. They tried completely messing with the physics of Mario, which is what Mario is known for. Mario is known for being a very, very tight platforming game.
0: Yeah, it's uh, true.
1: It is tried to be replicated by so many, so many, uh, developers to, to really just nail the accuracy and just the feeling of playing a good platforming Mario game. And Nintendo took the bold move of saying like, Hey, let's mess with that. Mm
0: -hmm. Let's see
1: how far we can go. Let's, let's even try to screw it up sometimes. And I am so glad they did that because the feeling of playing a 3d Mario game that, uh, Especially Mario Galaxy, it almost felt like that giant leap from Super Nintendo Mario to Mario sixty four, right? Uh, and I didn't think we'd be able to get that again for a while because the jump from two D to three D was was pretty massive. But the jump from, uh, you know, a, just a, a standard you know platforming experience like like Mario sixty four to something completely off the rails like gravity defying Super Mario Galaxy. It gave that sense of of newness that I didn't think we'd see, and uh, I think what I really like most about it, and what I think is a, a telling uh, a telling thing to me about why just just the fact that it's a fun game to play, is that a lot of the times I would just start running around these these levels. And just, like, trying to mess with Mario and trying to see what kind of crazy, like, acrobatics he could do by mm-hmm. rotating around these planets and jumping from one planet to another and just, like, seeing him, like, you know, rotate, you know, orbit around some of these planets if you jump far enough. I just mm-hmm. had fun doing that. It's true. Yeah. I think... Yeah.
0: Here's my thing. Uh, and Nintendo themselves have actually uh, admitted to this in a graphic. I'll, I'll have to pull it up, but... Uh, Super Mario Galaxy is technically not the same kind of game that Mario 64 or even Sunshine are. Hmm, Mario Galaxy is, despite the ability to run free around a planet that you're standing on, it is a Mm -hmm. linear Mario game. It is a get from the beginning of the level to the star at the end it might as well be Mm. a a flagpole, you know? Okay. So you have... I guess you're right. You have all of this freedom for movement, but in my mind, it kind of has the opposite problem that that Sunshine has, where Sunshine had an incredible setting and kind of half-baked controls. Mario Galaxy has some of the tightest and best Mario controls, but the setting, at least for me, has always been a little bit um, uninspired. I, I, it sounds harsh, but like that it does sound harsh, <laughs> like Mario in space like that, that as an elevator pitch, I think is inherently fun to think about. Right. But when you are playing Mario Galaxy and you are doing your 18th slowly rotating colorful blocks in space puzzle <laughs>
1: Okay, which, that, that part is true. There are quite a few of those.
0: Yeah, which Mario Sunshine has a lot of, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that, for me, is sort of an immersion-breaking, like caring less about your impact on the overworld. Uh, big ideas over world-building, basically, which is weird because now, as we talked about in our last episode, we're, we have a real-life Mushroom Kingdom that you can go to that has all of these world building elements about food you can eat and experiences that you can have. But it seems like every time a Mario game comes out, the development team is so focused on what are we going to break and what expectations are we going to subvert instead Mm -hmm. of looking back at how can we better flesh out the world that people already know that Mario lives in?
1: You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. I see what you mean. And I wonder if, if what you're talking about, uh, Actually matches Mario Three D World because uh, Mario Three D World they didn't they didn't break too many things about it but mm-hmm. they they refined as best as possible what a classic Mario game should be
0: yeah but I will say the Mario Mario Three Three D Land and Mario Three D World are much more those are those are also in the category that that Nintendo themselves put galaxy in, which is linear. Uh, I will say the style of the levels in 3d land and 3d world are sort of, if you look at it again, it's sort of a modern inter- interpretation of how the lands looked in uh, super Mario brothers three, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you, again, you have colorful floating blocks and uh, there's a lot more abstraction. Uh, I think, you know, and I, sorry to get on this tangent and take away from your high point here, John. I, <laughs> yeah, Mar- you're, you're really
1: making a low point out of my high point. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mario Galaxy is a masterpiece. <laughs> Special shout out to the music, by the way. If, Ooh, yes, that if, is another reason I like it so much. Yeah, if Mario
0: Galaxy didn't have that
1: music and it was just like,
0: bleep, bloop, 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 like I feel like it, it would <laughs> it would have a much different vibe. Uh, but yeah, I, I love Mario Galaxy. I think it's great. But I, I do think... That, at least for me personally, uh, they do a lot to make you forget about the fact that it's a linear Mario when all I wanted at the time was, like, give me a, a true successor
1: to Mario 64, you know? Mm-hmm. And we haven't had one of those. I know. I'm waiting. Maybe we will someday.
0: Yeah. But please, continue, John. Mario Mar- I- <laughs> Mario Galaxy, great game, great game.
1: <laughs> great game, great game. Um, all right, let me move on to my next high. Yeah. Um, Mm, this is cheating mm-hmm. but I'm just gonna say it anyway my next high is I love I just I love getting Mario, like physical Mario stuff mm-hmm.
0: or mm-hmm.
1: Nintendo stuff and Nintendo was absolutely on their game this year in, in doing that when it comes to this little pocket game and watch that I have uh, on my desk right here uh, to Uh, you know, the Mario Kart Live. Like, again, like, I'm not sure which of these things are actually part of the Mario 35th anniversary or just happened to be this year, but Uh they released so many things. But I think taking the highest of the physical products that were released this year, it would absolutely have to be the LEGO NES that came out. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, I have you know, this is a podcast, so having words to describe how amazing it is would be great, but it's hard to (laughs) put into words how great that build was. Uh, I could spend an hour talking about it, but I will sum it up by saying it is a, uh, one of the most technical builds, uh, that I've, that I've ever had, uh, which I was very surprised about Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because I, I honestly didn't know much going into it. I didn't really know what it could do or what, uh, other other than this, this, you know, kind of scrolling screen you could put in the TV. I didn't really know what else it could do or how complex that scrolling screen ended up being. Um, but just every page of the, like, massive, like, 200-page booklet, two booklets that you had to go through to build the TV itself and the NES itself, it was just mind-blowing how they were able to create the mechanics for each of those things yeah and i'll and i'll pick two things that i enjoyed most about this set okay the first is uh on the nes console itself uh do you remember playing nes back many many years ago the feeling of sliding in a a cartridge Mm -hmm. and pushing down yeah, closing the handle mm, good and you stuff. get that little bit of slight you know resistance on the spring effect it comes yep. out slightly back up once you push it down yep they completely nailed that wow for the lego version you get that cartridge you slide it in you push it down you get that little resistance you close the lid it was amazing that's how good perfectly stuff. that felt that's I, good stuff. I was just i was so so impressed by that there are also some really really fun Easter eggs uh, thrown about that too on the inside. That um, if you do ever build it, I won't I won't spoil anything for you. But they have some some nods to um, to, to Mario history in there. Mm-hmm. The second thing uh, that I really really enjoyed about that set was in the TV portion of it. So there's two booklets the, there's two booklets. There's two really structures to it. There's the NES console, and then there's a the TV. Right. And on the TV, I. I didn't think the scrolling screen was going to be that exciting, to be honest. Like, I knew that it was pretty, like, I I thought it was pretty cool when they first announced it, that you could, like, turn this crank, and you could see Mario kind of jump through all these stages, and I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, Like, I didn't think they had to do it, but it was nice that they did. But it ended up being one of my favorite things, because, again, of how complex it was, uh, how how perfectly engineered it was using legos to put the screen together Mm. uh to make it so that the uh uh the wheels that are used on that screen are as smooth as possible to make it so that the pieces never end up overlapping each other or end up having too big or too small of a gap so that it ends up getting stuck uh to make it so that you don't even end up seeing the rounded uh the rounded portions of the screen so that the TV covers it mm-hmm. to really give you the illusion that you're side scrolling and you're not actually looking at something looping around a track.
0: Ooh, that's a good point. Uh,
1: it was, they, they just, it's, aii it, am I, not at all surprised that Lego put in this amount of, uh, of effort and, and thought into this, but it's always just, it's, it's just a reason why I love Lego so much. Um, And when I had, you know, I love Lego. I love Nintendo. When you see these two things come together and you have something as as amazing as this Lego NES set, um, I think out of everything, that NES set was the highlight of of Nintendo for this year for me.
0: Yeah, that is special. I'm glad you brought that up too because uh,
1: uh,
0: I I, full disclosure, I don't own it. I I started shopping around for it when it was too late. I know it it got Mm -hmm. kind of... uh, uh, a rush of, of people buying it and scalping it and all that kind of unfortunate stuff. Yeah. But it, it truly is an engineering masterpiece. Um, you and I have talked about it before, you know, as you were working on it and stuff, you were texting me like, this is incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I've been living vicariously through you, but it is, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It, it's rare that, uh, two companies come together and create something that is, so true to both sides of the equation that like, uh, I do know. That's, that's going to be a really nice collector's piece forever. Yep. You know, that's, that's a, yep. uh, that's it's, a cool thing.
1: It's going to stay on my shelf next to my hundreds of other Nintendo things that I have going on.
0: Yeah. And you know, we're, um, we're getting, we're getting late in the show, but I did want to just really quickly, I want to give a shout out sort of on your behalf because, uh, Watching your son Link play with Lego Super Mario has been, Mm. uh, something, something pretty special too.
1: Yeah, that was, that was really nice. I was, uh, (laughs) there's a lot I could say about that Lego Mario set. I think there are a lot of great things about it. There are a lot of, you know, things I, uh, that are a a little gimmicky about it, but Mm -hmm. the fact that my three and a half year old was able to pick it up and, have Mario hop through a level that I made for him and reach the flagpole at the end was that was, that was a pretty good dad moment. Yeah, man.
0: That's that, that is a, a testament to the design of the product, but more importantly, the design of you as a
1: father. Good job, John. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> um, let's see, where, where, where were we on 35? I, I do have two lows. I'll go through them very quick because they're, I don't want to. I don't want to dive on them too far. The first low we already talked about the limited availability. I think it's kind of sleazy of Nintendo to do that. You know exactly why you want. They're just trying to get people to buy it before they yeah. think it's going to go away. Yeah, a rush of sales. Um, yeah, you know whatever. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second low is Nintendo's had this problem for a while, and I feel like they're slowly improving in this aspect, but it's still a problem. And that problem. Is they don't know how, or maybe they do this on purpose, I don't know, but they never put out as much product as there is demand. And uh, they themselves, whether they do this on purpose or whether they just legitimately don't know how many people are gonna buy them their their things, it's frustrating because it it puts it, it makes it very hard for the people that actually want them mm-hmm. to buy those things. Yeah. The Lego NES, for example. Like, yep. I know a lot of people that want that. I know you wanted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you waited more than two hours after it was released, you're not going to get it anymore. Yep. Uh, Mario Kart uh, Live, that's been sold out since, since it came out. And it's it's frustrating because I know a lot of people are going to like it. But then you see on eBay, you see these things going for, like, twice the price that they're actually supposed to be going for.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's frustrating that Nintendo is literally feeding... That that behavior by yeah. by purposefully you know releasing as, as the the small amount of product that they have to drive that demand.
0: Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I I know there has to be a a careful balance between supply and demand. I mean, that's that's just business, right? But uh, and you know what, it's been a weird year. Again, we're not diving into that topic, but you know, I, I know mm-hmm. that that affected production and shipping and stuff like that all over the world. Uh, but like you said, this has been an issue well beyond uh, this year.
1: Yeah, it's not the so, first time this has happened. I mean, yeah. Amiibo were like this. Um, uh huh. They slowly fixed that over time, but it just another, another, uh, another recent, uh, or I guess not so recent. Maybe this was like five years ago or so. But uh, there was a there was a giant Yarn Yoshi that was a Toys R Us exclusive. Oh God, yeah. All of those things are so long ago. <laughs> yeah, you're really dating
0: yourself now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I know, I know. But uh that's another one of those things where it sold out. Like I literally had to stand outside in line at a Toys R Us for an hour before they open so that I could get it. And if I didn't do it, I would have never gotten it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, we uh we slept at a Walmart to get a Wii. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I I remember that. Yeah. That was a good time. It was it was actually pretty fun. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyway, yeah. Uh, Good points all around. I completely agree. Good. We should start a podcast. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, as we mentioned uh, earlier, uh, we always have a list of things that we think we're going to be able to get to uh in these episodes. I say always like we've done this more than twice. Uh but we will get better about that. Uh we want to make sure that we can keep these to a manageable length so that uh you know, so that we can live our lives and you can live your life as a listener. Thank you, listener.
1: Thank you. Thank you for living your life. Thank you. <laughs> You're doing great. How, this is the m- how, How's that for an outro?
0: (laughs) I really like that, actually. Just ending on a motivational sort of high note. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? Sure. Let's do it. Dear listener, you're doing a great job. It's been a rough year. You've made it through and uh, nothing but good things to come. I'm sure of it. Mm hmm. So (laughs) uh, until next time. Thank you. And we will uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Tendo Talk. I'm Mike Colesworthy. You can follow me online at Mike Tendo
1: on most uh, platforms. John? I'm John, and I never figured out what I'm going to say at this part because uh, I have multiple accounts. John Schlemmer, Bimani Ruler. I don't know. You don't even have to follow me if you, if you, if you don't want to. It's, it's fine.
0: Yeah, but you do have to follow me.
1: Yeah, Mike is, Mike is a little more aggressive about it. That's the rules. And so now is the
0: time when we say our famous signing off phrase here on Tendo Talk. Uh, uh, bye! <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye bye.